Mark chapter 5, while you do that, a couple quick things. It was, uh, somebody asked me right after first service, forgot to mention there, but Encounter is rescheduled for next Sunday night, so don't come tonight for prayer, that's next Sunday. Um, And also, I just want to thank you real quick while you're opening your Bibles. Uh, Thank you for your prayers these last few weeks. The the trip to Africa was just absolutely amazing, totally a a blessing, and hope to be able to share some of that with you in the the weeks to come. But I just want to take this opportunity. Thank you for your prayers for me and my family during that time. And uh, again, God is is amazing and doing great work through far-reaching ministry in South Sudan and, and in Uganda. So praise God. Amen. Amen. Well, Mark chapter 5, we're going to continue taking a look at what is really, we could look at it like a 24-hour period that that the Gospels give us in the the life of Jesus, in the ministry of Jesus. And it goes back, actually, to the end of chapter 4. And if you'll you'll remember at that time, Jesus had finished a a long day of ministry, ministering to the people and and healing and, and, and teaching. And he tells the disciples, hey, let's get in the boat. Let's go to the other side. And so they're obedient, they're with Jesus, they're doing what he says, and because of that, they find themselves in the middle of the worst storm that any of them had ever faced. Tells us the waves are crashing over, they really believe that the the ship is going down and they're all going to die, and what is Jesus doing? He's asleep. He's asleep in the boat, they wake him up, they're in a panic, Jesus, we're going to die, we're all going down, and it tells us he gets up and he calms the storm with a word. It says, be still, and it tells us immediately the storm is calmed, the, the, the water becomes like glass, and then he turns his attention to them and says, why is it that you still have no faith? After everything that you've seen, after everything that you've experienced, you still don't believe? I said, we're going to the other side, and what do you know? The next story begins a few moments later. They made it to the other side, (laughs) just like Jesus said. It tells us when they get there, immediately they are met by this man that, that calls himself Legion because he's filled with so many demons. He's been terrorizing this entire region for for an extended period of time. No one could contain him. No one could do anything to stop him, to help him. And Jesus, again, speaking to the demons within him, casts them out into the herd of pigs. They run down the bank and into the sea and are drowned there. And praise the Lord, this man is delivered. But the townspeople come out, and instead of glorifying and praising God because of this, they say, Jesus, get out of here. You're bad for business. (laughs) Jesus tells this man who begs him, let me come with you. Thank you, Jesus. Let me come with you. He says, no, you go and you tell everybody around what I did for you. He sends them away, but then he honors the request of the rest of the people to get back in the boat and go back to the other side, and that's where we pick up today, and again, we're going to look at a couple of more amazing stories here today, amazing things that happen in this, in this very short window, and I emphasize that because it's amazing to me how many people I, I come across and I talk to, and, and they, they, they kind of mock us as Christians, and they say, you know, why in the world would I follow? It seems like the Christian life is just so boring. Boring. <laughs> Let me tell you, following Jesus is anything but boring. It's a life that is so rich and so full, and if we're willing to follow him and be obedient to him, the things that we see, the things that we experience, again, just absolutely amazing. Well, we continue now, chapter 5, verse 21. When Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, 
A large crowd gathered around him, and so he stayed by the seashore. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up, and on seeing him, fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. And he, Jesus, went off with him, and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. Again, we see pretty much everywhere Jesus goes now, large crowds gather. And Jesus, in the midst of that, that crowd, and, and again, they're just a reminder for us, we've gathered together here today in his name. Jesus is here with us. Jesus is not some distant God. God, our God, our creator, is not some distant, far-off God that just got this whole thing started and took his hands off as, as people try to make God to think or the, the God that they have in their mind. No, our God is a very personal God. Our God is a very loving God. Our God loves to be with us and among us and be accessible to us. He's right here today with us. But we see in this story something I think that's very special, and I, I know that there are people that need to hear this today, one man comes up to him and gets his full attention. Not only is he with us here today, he is here for you today. No matter, no matter who you are, no matter what your need is, Jesus is here for you today as he was for this man. We don't know a whole lot about uh, Jarius as far as his background and his history, but we know quite a bit about what it tells us here about his current situation. He's one of the synagogue leaders, officials. He's not a rabbi, he's not a teacher, but an official would have been one that was kind of in charge of things, the the day-to-day operations within the synagogue, scheduling things, opening, closing, making sure that the scrolls are ready, all of that kind of stuff. No doubt very well-respected and well-known in the community, among the religious leaders, no doubt, again, influential among them, probably pretty well-off financially. I mean, didn't have needs as far as all of that goes. And we know something else about Jarius. He's got a 12-year-old little girl. We know she's 12. It'll tell us that a little bit later in our story this morning. Luke tells us it's his only girl, his only daughter. And I can only imagine how much joy and laughter and happiness this little girl has brought to the home for these 12 years. Because again, being a father of a a girl myself, I remember those years so fondly. How much joy and, and happiness. But somewhere along the line, we don't know how long ago this takes place in Jarius's life, that all of a sudden is being rocked because his little girl is sick. And it's, she's gotten worse, and she's gotten worse. And, and things are going all along and going great, but, but we never know sometimes what the next moment holds. And that now, Jarius' whole life is rocked. And notice his helplessness. He's reached the point where it doesn't matter how much, how much influence he has, how much power he has, how much, how much personality he has, and none of that matters. Everything else is meaningless because his little girl, it tells us, is at the point of death. It doesn't even matter how well-connected he is within the church, this religion that, that, he, that none of that matters. And it tells us something amazing about when he reaches this point because it tells us, notice his attitude that he has. He's totally broken. He comes in absolute humility to Jesus. It tells us that he bows down 
to him, bows down at his feet. Understand what this will probably cost him. Because remember, the religious leaders are united in one thing, and that is we got to get rid of Jesus. We need to destroy Jesus. We are going to see as we continue through the Gospels that, that they actually even put it out there that if you, if you are involved at all with Jesus, we will throw you out of the synagogue. So this is going to cost Jairus probably everything, his job, his, his influence, everything by, by coming to Jesus. But he comes in absolute humility, and notice he comes in absolute total faith. And when we do that, God meets us there. Coming with that kind of heart, James 4, 6 says, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Jarius comes in, in total humility. We don't know why he's waited to the point where she's at death. I can make a guess. Again, probably pride took a lot involved in that. Probably, again, wondering, worrying way too much about how this is going to affect him and, and his everything. And we don't know. We don't know the conversation at home, but I can almost imagine Mrs. Jarius saying, okay, it's about time you go to Jesus. What, why, why, why do you have to wait to this long? Go to Jesus now. And he does. But notice to his request. <laughs> he says, if you would simply come, just come to my house, touch her so that she will get well and live. Faith. He believes that if Jesus will simply come and touch her, she'll be healed. Now, we're going to find out when we get a little bit later on that his faith is an imperfect faith. It is not an unshakable faith. Its faith is going to get shaken as we will see continue to, as we continue to read on. But it's a well-placed faith because it's placed in Jesus. And that's one of the other things that I just love about our Lord is that, is that he honors faith, even weak faith, if it's placed in him. Because here we see Jesus responds. He gets up and he follows after him. And I can only imagine, again, it tells us that the, the language is very clear. We are talking about a massive crowd pressing in on Jesus. And so I can imagine he's probably saying, all right, clear away, make away, clear away, trying to get Jesus to move through. And we see now as we continue on, verse 25, a woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had, had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse, after hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garments, I'll get well. Immediately, the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately, Jesus, perceiving in himself that power proceeded forth from him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, when we look at this and we compare and contrast our, our two characters that we have here, man, you, can't, you almost can't get more opposite. I mean, Jarius, well-known, well-respected, all of these things that we've already outlined. And here we see this woman. She's not even named in any of the gospel accounts. We don't know her name. 
very quite possibly that nobody in the entire crowd knew her name. Based on the nature of her illness, it tells us she's been hemorrhaging, she's been bleeding, and the, and the word would indicate the, the way that, it's, that she's, she's been suffering from a menstrual cycle for 12 years. And because of that, the word, the, the, the Old Testament is clear. In that condition, she is considered ceremonially unclean. She cannot be a part of anything that goes on in the synagogue. And because of that, also, anyone who touches her becomes ceremonially unclean. Anything that she touches, whether it's a chair that she would sit on or that she would be a part of, becomes unclean. Because of that, for 12 years, she's more than likely been completely alone. If this started when she was a girl just, just becoming into that time and age, she's, she's probably never, had, never been married, never had that relationship. If it happened later on, if she was married, no doubt at this time her husband has already left her and she is all alone. It tells us that she has spent everything that she's had chasing after any type of cure, going to any kind of doctor. It tells us that not only did she not get better, but it made her worse. She's at this point now of absolute hopelessness. Nowhere else to go, nowhere else to turn. Now, I don't know, as I look out here and, and talking to you and anybody watching online, if, if you're dealing with some type of physical physical thing that's been lasting a long time, and, and you can relate to that, but I can guarantee there are probably far more people that can relate to pain and hurt and anguish, whether it's emotionally, whether it's relationally, whether no matter what it is, and you can relate to the fact that you've tried everything else. You've, you've tried all of these different things to dull the pain, to make it go away, listening to what the world has to say, whether it's through drugs or alcohol or relationships or all of those other things, trying to make the pain go away, trying to fill the void, trying to get rid of what it is that has been tormenting you for so long, and you've realized that there's no joy in any of it, there's no hope in any of it, and you've reached the end. And I praise God that you're hearing this, because there's hope, and there's hope only in one person. There's only one place for that hope, and we see, and as we turn to verse 27, look at this. It, it tells us, after hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak, for she thought, if I just touch his garment, I will get well. And there's four things here that she does that I want to bring to you if you find yourself in that situation. First of all, she heard. She heard about Jesus. She'd heard about all of these other things. She'd heard about all of these other doctors and all of these other miracle cures or all of these other things that promised all of these things that they can't deliver. And she tried all of those and she realized none of that works, but she heard about Jesus. And because she heard, she, she came. And maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe that's why, why you're checking in now because you heard and you just want to find out, is this, is this for real? But then it tells us, notice, that she, she thought. There is, there is no escaping the fact that we have, that, that what our access to the Lord is through faith. But I want to point out to you that it's not, a, it's not an unreasonable faith. As a matter of fact, the entire word of God, as you continue to read through it, is God saying, hey, would you, let's just reason together. Would you just would, think about this with me? And I'm paraphrasing, obviously. <laughs> 
the Lord would, tells us on page after page after page, I am your creator. I'm the one who made you. I am the one who placed you in the environment that you're in. I knew everything about you before you were born. I, I know exactly what it is that you need. I know what tomorrow holds. I know exactly what you need to make it through all of that. So wouldn't it be reasonable that you trust me? Wouldn't it be reasonable that you, that you surrender your life, give your life to me and follow me as I guide and lead and direct you? And we find that she reaches this point where she says, you know what? <laughs> Everything else, it hasn't worked. And I was told about this man. I was told about him. So if I just simply touch his garment, I, I'll be healed. And she reaches out in faith. Simply an act of faith. Hearing, coming, reasoning, and reaching out in faith. Notice verse 29, immediately, not delayed, not over the course of a month, immediately, the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Now, I do have to say this, I, I have an issue with the translators of this verse, because the word that is translated felt there is used 221 times in the New Testament. The Greek word, this is the only place it is translated felt. It is the Greek word gnosko, which means to know. It's not to feel, it's to know. When she reached out in faith and the Lord met her in that act of faith, she knew. It wasn't a feeling, she knew. Not only that the, the symptom was gone, but the cause was gone. It doesn't say that she felt that the blood stopped coming. No, it says that she knew that she was healed of her affliction. If you are here today and you are, you are, you've reached the end of it, I am here to tell you, you reach out in faith to your God, to your creator today. You can know that your affliction is gone, that you are a new creation in Christ. I'm not, I am not here to tell you, I'm not one of those that is going to tell you, you read, you'll, you'll be healed of every physical ailment, you'll be, uh, no, none of that, but he will meet you in your need, and he will provide for you, he will care for you, he will take you through. We can know that. I, I love this as it just continues to flow through because it tells us, notice Jesus' reaction. Oh, by the way, real quick, just a little jump off the side of the road here. Back to verse 27. Can you just, all of us, this is important. After hearing about Jesus. That's what started the whole thing. She heard about Jesus. Guys, for everyone else in this room, that's our job. We need to be telling people about Jesus. We don't know, we don't know the, the end result of that. No doubt the person that told this, this woman about Jesus probably has no idea that this is taking place. Probably doesn't have any idea that this ever did take place. I can tell you what, when he got to heaven, he found out. Our job is to tell people about Jesus. Well, back on the road, Jesus tells us he stopped. 
He's on his way to, to meet, you know, to do this, this great work for Jarius, this, this high-profile guy. But he stops, and he turns to her. <laughs> Let me just tell you, Jesus is never too busy for you. Never too busy for you. No matter what it is you're going through, when you go to him in faith, it moves to the top of his priority list. See, he, he stops. Notice it says because he noticed his, his, that power went forth from him. Guys, by the way, the power is not in his clothes. It wasn't like there was some great electricity moving through his clothes that when she topped, touched him, it was, you know. No, the power is in the Lord. The access point was not his clothes. The access point was her faith as she reached out. He noticed because it's personal. He noticed because it's purposeful. It always is. The, the, the healing that comes from the Lord, no matter what it is in our life, no matter what it is that we're going through, the power that comes is purposeful and personal. It's not like this, there's this big energy force out there that we tap into. No, it's Jesus coming directly to us. Notice this. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 1. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. He's speaking to the Christians in, in, in Ephesus. That the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That you would be able to see clearly so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? the surpassing greatness of his power, the same power that raised him from the dead that is available to us who believe. Again, the access point to that power is our faith. And again, it's personal. It, I, I love the exchange because Jesus will see this as, as it goes on. Like, you know, it tells us he's, got, he's walking on the water. He's going to walk like he was going to walk by all these different types of things. Almost like Jesus doesn't really know what's going on. He asks this question, who touched me? And the disciples are like, are you kidding me? It the, the, the wording in there is that there, there's so many people. It's just like this crowd totally pressing in. And he says, who touched me? The disciples are everybody's touching you. But he knew somebody touched him, and it wasn't like he wanted to, you know, he didn't know. Notice, verse 32, he looked around to see the woman. He knew exactly who it is. Though her name's not recorded, he knew it. He knew, he knew her. He was waiting for this. See the woman who had done this. No one else in the crowd knew her. Jesus did. And I can only imagine, I can only imagine as this scene unfolds because he says, who touched me? And she's got to be thinking, oh my gosh, busted. I thought all I had to do was kind of crawl through the crowd, touch him and I'm, you know, touch and go, I'm out of here. But here I am, I'm busted. And it says with fear and trembling, she comes forward and tells him everything. She tells the whole story about how this has been going on for 12 years. How she's, how she's tried everything else, and instead of getting better, it's gotten worse. And how she heard about him. And how she simply decided to come today. 
and how she thought, kind of thought through the whole thing. And, and, and I believe, again, when we think through and we process through, the Holy Spirit meets us in that discussion and prompts and gives us the, the ability to even reach out in faith. As she does that here, she lays it all out, but it tells us in fear and trembling. Because as, I, and, and I believe this is why she's so afraid, because she's like, not only am I busted, I am in so much trouble. Because as I mentioned to you, she's unclean. And anyone who touches her or comes in contact with her becomes unclean. She's probably thinking, oh, I made the holy guy unclean. Understand this. It doesn't matter where you are today. It doesn't matter what sin is in your life. It doesn't matter what sin is in your past. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how dirty you are. You reach out in faith today. <laughs> Our infection doesn't go from us to him. His purity comes from him to us. You reach out in faith today. It doesn't matter what your past is. You can have it washed away today completely, totally. Can you imagine the eye contact? I, again, she's totally freaking out about this. She's like totally, and wondering, no doubt, probably expecting to be rebuked instead. And I see him reaching down as she's probably got her head down, lifting her chin, looking her in the eye, and look what he says to her, daughter. It's the only time that it's recorded for us in the New Testament that Jesus ever used that term to refer to somebody, daughter. It's the same word used that Jarius talked about his daughter. Daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Go in the peace that passes understanding. Go in the peace that, that is available nowhere else. But it's yours now, child. Sweetheart, your faith has made you whole. I don't know where you are today. I know that there are people that, that are going through a battle. You feel all alone. You feel, you feel beaten up. I know that because I've been praying that you're here. I've been praying that you, that you hear this, whether you're watching online or you're here. You're tired of, of, of people cutting you out, and you're just hanging on by a thread. And you're worried that the next thing that, 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 doesn't, that, that you try that doesn't work, it's gonna be, it, that'll be it. You know what? Matthew chapter 12 tells us that Jesus fulfills Isaiah 42 where it says, a bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. You may have been broken by many people. Jesus will not. He will meet you right where you are. He will mend you. He will make you whole. If you're here today and you were once on fire for the Lord, you were once serving him, but you have fallen away, the second half of that verse is for you. He's not waiting to snuff you out. He is waiting to embrace you, to welcome you back home. Son, daughter, welcome back home to fan you back into a, a roaring inferno for him. Simply need to reach out in faith. One last thing before... We move on from here again because I just, I love all of the things that this opens up for us about Jesus because there's so many, so many misconceptions, so many lies that the enemy tries to tell us uh, that keep us from coming to him in, the, in our time of need. But would you notice that both this woman and Jairus waited until the last minute to come to Jesus? They, they had tried everything else. 
Jesus does not mind being the last resort. He prefers not to be because it saves us all of the grief. It breaks his heart to watch us go through trying this and trying that and chasing after this and going after that. It breaks his heart when he simply says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. But that doesn't say come to me only if you come first. No, it says come to me anytime. And if you've waited and you've tried everything else, there's not um, supplement B for you when you come to Jesus. You come to him today. You trust him today. And again, you get his full, undivided attention, and healing is in his hands. Hmm. I don't know about you, but again, I, I been around me long enough, you know kind of how my mind works as I'm reading through this, but what do you think Jarius was thinking about now? I mean, we can easily, as we've, as we've kind of go through this, we can even kind of forget about Jarius. And, and I wonder if he was thinking, hey, whoa, 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 hey, Jesus, remember my daughter? And, and in that, I think that there's a challenge for all of us because how do we react when we are praying and we are waiting for God to move something and do something in our life, but we see him doing something in somebody else's life? Can I challenge you, Christian, today that that should strengthen your faith? That we trust that God, even though he's working there and he doesn't appear to be working in us, we look at that and we rejoice and we praise God because he's working over there. And please understand, God is, can do more than one thing at a time. And we trust that while he's working there and doesn't appear to be working here, when we look at that and our, strength, our faith is strengthened, guess what he's doing in us? Strengthening our faith. Well, let's continue on because Jesus didn't forget about Jairus. Verse 35, while he was still speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue official. He's still speaking to this, this, this woman and the people come from his house and it says, your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? But Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, do not be afraid any longer, only believe. There are a lot of voices out there. The world is yelling all the time to us as Christians saying, you, you, Christians, really? You're going to keep following Jesus after all of this? Look what's going on in your life. Look what's going on. Try this. Go here. Do that. Don't, you keep running back to, that. you keep going, go, no, try this over here. Voices everywhere. The voice of the enemy. Yeah, following Jesus. Look what that got you. How about, I wonder with Jarius, how the enemy was coming after him. Now you've really done it. Now, you, now you'd have nobody left. Look at what this, how this got you. But the voice of Jesus, he says, God, don't listen to any of that. And again, I can only imagine the eye contact that he makes with Jairus because his world now is totally spinning. My daughter is dead, but he says, don't be afraid anymore. Just believe. Just look at me, trust me, and believe. Guys, the word of God is full of his promises to you and I as believers. 
And the world around us is screaming at us. You really believe that after all of this and all this going on? You're really going to believe that? And the enemy again coming to us saying, yeah, you're, you're a Christian. And look where that's got you. It's got you into this mess. It's got you into that. And Jesus would say to us, look at me. Do not listen to that. Simply believe I have made you a promise. My word is full of promises to you as my children. I want to look at one of those promises together this morning. Would you turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10? 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'm going to start in verse 1 and kind of move quickly through it, but it, does, it, do, it is important to build, build up to what, what Paul is telling us. Paul writing to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 10, beginning in verse 1, For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Real quickly, he's talking again about the deliverance of the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he's talking about how God went before them, a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night, through the Red Sea, unscathed and destroyed their enemy behind them, fed them with manna, fed and gave them water to drink from the rock, which he outlines here was Christ. Nevertheless, verse 5, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. Now these things happened as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written out for our instruction upon whom the ends of the age have come, Therefore, let, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. He outlines that after God's faithfulness, doing all of that, so many of the children of Israel doubted God. They, they grumbled and complained when things happened to them. Instead of trusting God, they, they took matters into their own hands. They, they made other idols. They followed after other things. Verse 13, here's the promise. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Now that word temptation in the Greek carries with it multiple meanings. Temptation, but it also means trials, tribulations, difficulties. All of those things fall under that, that same word. And all of that fits when we look at this in context. First, no trial, no difficulty, nothing that we go to is, will overtake us because God is faithful. God is faithful. Who will not allow us to be tried, not allow the situation to come upon us that is beyond our ability to get through because he will provide a way of escape, not to jettison ourselves out in the middle. Notice it says, so that you will be able to endure it. Again, we come to Jesus in faith, not to get out in the middle, but we come to him in faith because he promises to carry us through. 
Now, also with that back in here, it's important to see that no temptation has overtaken us. The temptation to quit, the temptation to turn to the world, the temptation to, to bail on everything, the temptation to take matters into our own hands, the temptation to grumble and complain in the middle of it, that doesn't overtake us either. Because again, by faith, access to the power of God. One last verse and Sometimes I feel like I bite off more than I can chew here, but <laughs> please just embrace this, and I pray the Holy Spirit just makes this resonate in our hearts. 2 Corinthians 1.20, for as many as are the promises of God in him, they are yes. Every promise that is given to us in the word of God in Christ Jesus is yes. What's that saying is there is absolutely no doubt that it will not come true. There's no way that the promise can't happen because in him they are yes it's emphatic the way it's written there but also it also it says therefore also through him is our amen to the glory of God through us the promises are yes in him but our ability to grab onto those promises also comes through him our ability to stand and say amen to that promise I own that promise comes through again the power of God in us that we access by faith, simply reaching out. He, that's where he meets us. Jesus is saying, no matter what it is you face today, no matter what it is that's coming tomorrow that you have no idea of, he says, rest in me, trust me. I'm in control. Replace your fear with faith. When we do that, we simply say, God, I don't see how this is possibly gonna work out, but I trust you. Well, as we complete the, the story here today, Jesus says, don't be afraid any longer, only believe. And he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, just three of his disciples. He sent, left the rest of the disciples and the entire crowd behind, said, I'll be back. They came to the house of the synagogue official and he saw a commotion and people loudly weeping and wailing. And entering in, he said to them, why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died, but is asleep. They began laughing at him, but putting them all out, he took along the child's father and mother, his own companions, and entered the room where the child was. Taking the child by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which translated means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the little girl got up and began to walk, for she was 12 years old, and immediately they were completely astonished. And he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this. And he said that something should be given to her to eat. They get to the house. The scene is chaotic. They have professional mourners hired. We see that in the other, other gospel accounts. And that was, that was a business back then. They had professional mourners. You could hire them out. And, and they come to your house. And they stand outside. And they play music. And they mourn. And they cry. And they were really good at crying. And making a whole lot of noise. And all this kind of stuff. And that was just part of what went on. Over the course of within 24 hours of when a death occurred, everything had to take place because the body had to be buried, had to be in the tomb in that time frame. So washing the body, preparing the body, doing all of this kind of stuff. So it gets going immediately. And they were already preparing for that because it says she's at the point of death. So by the time now Jarius gets there, the mourners are already outside. And can I just say, the enemy is great at providing distractions. 
He is going to, no matter what it is that we're going through, and even when we step out in faith and we're, and we're going this, he's going to be over there. Hey, 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 no, wait, wait, look at me, look at me, hang on, da, da, da. These mourners, I wonder again what Jarius is. He's walking up to the house. He says, okay, I believe, I believe, I believe. The mourners are already mourning. They're already here weeping and crying. And, and again, I can almost imagine Jesus just giving him that look. And it says that when Jesus said, she's not dead, she's sleeping, they mocked him. The world often mocks what it doesn't understand. But when we again reach out and accept in humble faith, look what happens. Look what they get to experience, those that believe, those that trusted Jesus, what they, the miracle that they got to see. This little girl, Jesus grabs her hand, says, little girl, get up. You want to see God do impossible things in your life? Reach out in faith. And I'm not telling you you have to have faith the size of a mountain. As a matter of fact, what little faith you may have, you place that in Jesus, he responds. And he does things that are just blow your mind kind of stuff. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who's able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. We reach out in faith and say, God, I need you in this. And he says, I meet you in that and I raise you this. Far beyond what we can even ask or think. But again, faith is the access point. So I'm asking you today, no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, what is keeping you from reaching out today? If you've reached the end, if you're here today, you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I pray the Holy Spirit is, is working through that reasoning right now with you. And I just, I, I, I beg you right now to just reach out in faith. He will meet you there. If you're going through the trial of your life, if you don't know how this is ever going to work out, Jesus is saying, just trust me with it. If you've, if you're, if you've had pain and suffering and been going through and you've, you've tried everything else, Jesus is not offended that you've waited until now to do it. He's begging you today, though, reach out in faith. He'll meet you there. We're going to pray right now and sing one last song, and I want to ask that if that's you, if the Lord is moving on you today, if the, if the Holy Spirit moving in your heart, and you want to do that today, reaching out in faith, I want to just invite you to, as we're singing this last song, make your way up, up front. We're going to have people that would love to pray with you. Our prayer team will be up here. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to, to help you just to make that connection. And if you want to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love again to pray with you. We have some information, a Bible we'd like to give you. But don't, don't go away from here. Again, believe in the lie of the enemy. Right now, I can guarantee you, the enemy's gonna be trying to distract you. Respond in faith today. And for the rest of us, pray. Pray that the Holy Spirit would be we moving in, in this place. And then we, guys, we have this command, right? That we're to go out and tell. We're to go out and share. Tell people about Jesus. And, and you might say, well, th th this is great, information that's a good message. Guys, hold on to this because we don't know what tomorrow holds. There's going to be a time where, where we're going to need this to know that it's just, again, right there because the world will try to distract and pull us in all different directions. Jesus just says, reach out to me. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Would you please stand? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the truth of your word, the promises that you give us in your word.
Lord, I thank you for the fact that as your children, you have given us this, this assurance that is ours, that we can know that all things work together for good. To those who love you and are called according to your purposes, we don't feel that, we don't think that, we know that. We don't feel that nothing can separate us from you. We know that nothing can separate us from your love. Lord, I pray for every heart here that is hurting, that is broken, that needs your touch. Holy Spirit, that you would move and give just, that, just enough faith to reach out. Lord, we thank you for your promise that you meet us there that you are truly everything that we need. Lord, I pray that that this would encourage all of us to continue to, to walk in your power, but to share, to tell people about you. We thank you, we praise you, we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.